Good morning. Good morning. So good to have you here. Oh, thank you, Kat. So a few minutes ago, uh, Jordan and my daughter Johanna, they pulled out of Denver. Uh, they're starting a, like, is it 2,000-mile drive? little drive, uh, driving from Denver to Boston to take uh, JoJo to school up there. So um, uh, pray for good music in their car. <laughs> I think I threw in her, she has a Boston CD <laughs> to put on there, and uh, we're praying for a good time as she starts her new year. Everybody here, I don't know how you guys feel. I, we had our small group last Wednesday, and we were talking about kind of the, the, se the summer season and moving into the fall season. Even though I don't, I'm not in school anymore, I still feel like I still kind of track the year by the academic season. Also, my son is in school, so it's, it feels like a, a new season. Um, and uh, there's so, so many changes, I think, for a lot of... Who's in school? Let's raise your hand if you're in school. Okay, you're teaching or you're in school? All right, so you kind of... Some of you still feel a little of that same rhythm. Also, we're coming out of COVID in some ways, right? So some of us are also feeling that kind of transition. How many of you just recently moved to Hawaii? Raise your hand. There's one, there's a couple there, that happens. There, oh, Harry's back, Harry, so awesome, you guys are back. Um, so good to have you at home. Um, and something that I think is, uh, we were talking about in our small group on Wednesday was the sense that, okay, there's a little bit of a reset of when you have a new opportunity, a new season, a new job, a new place, um, coming through a challenge, it's an opportunity to uh, think again, to have a, uh, ask God if it's a new perspective. And one of the things that I know for me personally, I'm just feeling like I kind of need to get lighter. I mean, not, not physically lighter, but I need to lighten my load a little bit. If I'm going to do the things that um, I think I need to be about, this is a great chance to refresh and do a reset. And this morning, uh, we're going to continue on in a series. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't bring a dress with pockets, so I've got to carry myself around. Um, we're going to do uh, continue on in a series called On the Kingdom of God. And um, one way I feel like God laid in my heart to talk about this morning is to talk about a characteristic of the kingdom of God, which in our current culture and in our, the way that we live life gets trivialized, gets underrated. And, and that is the characteristic that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but let's go back to 1979, because 1979 was a great year. I was 11, I think. <laughs> and um, a particular day in 1979, I was sitting in somebody's car, my parents' car, my sister's car, in the garage, in the front seat, uh, with my sister Madeline, who is like eight or nine years older than me. Now, Madeline, uh, so back then, she was like 22 probably, and I was like 11 or, no, wait, that, the math doesn't work. I'm not a math person. But she was, she was about, if I was 11, she was like 20. Okay, that makes sense. Because she had just um, finished or was in her first year of college at UH. And um, she had gotten involved with a campus Christian group. I think it was Campus Crusade. And she had um, made a decision to get to know Jesus. 
And so she was sitting there with me in the front seat in the parked car in the garage, and she had a little tract that she decided to take the time to go through with me, her 11-year-old sister. It was the, I think it was the Four Spiritual Laws, something like that, which is basically gives a very brief presentation about how God wants us to be with him. Sin separates us from him. Jesus has made a way for us to be connected with God again so that we can live forever with him. And as an 11-year-old, I decided to say the prayer with her and ask Jesus to come into my life. Now, I want to tell you that on the outside, I looked exactly the same. My teeth were still crooked. I still had glasses. I was still a Chinese-American girl in sixth grade. Um, I, I didn't, after I said the prayer, I didn't get a tattoo or a uniform, or I didn't join a march or become part of a political party, although I was only 11, so I couldn't vote yet. Um, everything looked exactly the same on the outside. But everything had changed on the inside. On the inside that day, even though I really didn't, I never read the Bible, I didn't really have prayed much, on the inside, it was like a spring had been sprung and eternal life began to flow out of somewhere deep in my soul. It's just like Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, you know, anyone who drinks the water I give him, living waters will, will flow out of their belly, welling up to eternal life. So I began at that time, let's see, let's do the math. It was like 42 years ago, something like that, or 40 years ago now. I began to experience the life of God. I began to have uh, peace and joy. I um, began to read the Bible quietly on my own where no one could see me. Um, I began to love Jesus as I listened to his words. And that love began to change me. I began, began to be confident uh, I became a more independent person among my peers. Um, and I started to find ways to use the things I could do that dovetailed with my faith. And over time, um, that, I will call it the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that is visible inside, the kingdom of God that is invisible. You like that? It began to strengthen me began to give me personal disciplines and allowed me to do things I never would have done on my own. And because of that invisible kingdom that started in me, in some way, that's why you are all here. Because had I not made that little choice sitting in the garage in the front seat of the car with my sister, blue water, I'm telling you, would not exist. It's really weird how the kingdom of God spreads. As we were worshiping, I felt like God said to me, tell them about the, the walnut or the acorn. <laughs> like, okay, so I'm going to tell you about the acorn. Um, one of my, um, uh, and I'll share with you about her a little later, one of my favorite authors, and I've, I've considered her a personal friend of mine, is this lady named Julian of Norwich. She was an Anglican, Anchorite nun who lived in, the 18th century in England, or maybe earlier than that, earlier than that, sorry, 14th century. Um, and uh, she had a series of revelations that God showed her when she was on her deathbed. 
And then she miraculously survived and wrote them all down. Um, but one of them was God showed her a tiny acorn in her, hand, in her hand, like it fell out of heaven, like it was the smallest thing ever. And God said to her, basically, don't take it for granted. It exists because I love it. And it will always be, and it is before me, because I love it. And that is how God sees you and me. We need to stop underestimating the smallness of who we are because it's huge. It's actually huge. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So um, the kingdom of God in the way that it starts so small, it's so underrated and unpredictable, and yet it is so unstoppable and powerful. It's, it's not like any human movements. It doesn't rely on armies or power brokers or uh, venture capital or polls. It actually works best through unqualified, unpolished, unlikely people. Look to your left and look to your right. The participants are organically organized and they're strangely self-sustained. And it's not expanded, this kingdom, through any systematic program. All it needs is like this little basic, frail agreement, yes, Lord, to release a continuous and unstoppable power. But this is confusing for people like us. It's been confusing for people all throughout the centuries because we live in a tangible world where we are looking at things all the time and we're surrounded by movements and powers and we live in states and we have to feed these things and we have to drive or move around areas and it's hard to reconcile this material, visible world and this tiny thing that is this giant thing within us. So we're going to look at a scripture from Luke 17 today and uh, it's about uh, folks who are having struggles with this idea, and I think it'll help us. We have a scripture in Luke 17. Okay, you can follow along your Bible or read it above. Maybe I'll send it here. Jesus, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you or among you. And he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire, or some versions say, long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Don't go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will be the Son of Man in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So the Pharisees, I feel for them. They, they, want to, they want someone who can show them the kingdom in a way that satisfies the scope that they live in. They are demanding the outward power play about things that they care about that will meet their felt need for the time. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like 
um, okay, God, when are you going to take care of my work situation? Or that really unjust policy at the school? Or when are you going to deal with my relationships? When am I going to find Mr. Wright? When is my husband going to get in line? You know, come on, Jesus. Show me the money. I need change. I feel for them. I'm totally there. But Jesus says to them, you guys are looking at it. It's real, but you're looking at it the wrong way. It's what's inside that matters. Jesus wants to know what's in your wallet. What's in your wallet? Now, it's hard to make that shift. In 2010, is Bill, Bill here, Bill Wong? 2010, Bill Wong gave me LASIK surgery. It was awesome. Uh, suddenly, I could see what was in front of me. I could drive and, and like, see the turnoff. It was awesome. Um, but I couldn't see those things until I had new lenses, new lenses. And that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. He's like, the kingdom of God, yes, it's real, but you need new lenses to really take hold of it. And there has never been a time in human history when we need new lenses because, guess what? Wait, where's, send me your phone, honey. We're like, this is, this is how the world is training us to look. We, we are looking all the time at stuff, at faces, at clothes, at uh, news, at uh, wars, at reports, that we're looking out all the time and we're completely addicted and attached to it. And it's never been so important for us to stop it. It's never been so important for us to resist the urge to look at external things because we're going to miss the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is right here in your midst. And all that stuff, I'm telling you, so it's good news today, but there's some bad news. Okay. The good news is that we are made for more. The bad news is everything else is going to burn. Everything else is going away. And I hate to break it to you, but if, if you have fallen asleep to that fact, you need to wake up. Everything else is going to burn. But your soul is meant for eternity. Jesus says in Matthew 16, we know this, but I've got to pound it to you because I forget. So I'm preaching to save my own soul. Indulge me. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole external world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know, Jesus also says um, in Matthew, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Oh, I don't want anybody to kill my body. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Whoa! Is this, is this the God we want to preach in this, in this house? Yes, I'm sorry. We've got to preach the whole gospel. I'm accountable, man. We're accountable. So 
God values our soul so highly. And the way that our society and our lives have put, put way above the value of, of our body and external things is going to really hurt us. Um, so I brought my, this, this, this book, Julian Norwich, because she says something in here which kind of elaborates on this idea, and I want to read this to you because I, I love it and it helps me, so um, maybe it'll help you too. She, um, in her um, experience with God, she talks about this idea about the value of the soul and how God sees our soul. This totally was a revolution for me. She says this in her vision. I saw my soul as wide as if it were a kingdom, as if it were a fine city. In the midst of the city sits our Lord Jesus, true God and true man, a handsome person and tall, honorable, the greatest Lord. He sits erect there in the soul in peace and rest, and he rules, and he guards heaven and earth, and everything that is. It's like Jesus is ruling from the secret, tiny, unimaginable place of our own soul. And my soul is blessedly occupied by the divinity, sovereign power, sovereign wisdom, sovereign goodness. The place which Jesus takes in our soul, she says, he will never more vacate. He's never leaving that place. For in us is his home of homes. In us is his home of homes. And it is the greatest delight for him to dwell there. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I love what we're singing today. Awake my soul. No, we were singing, um, let, what's, that, what's the words, Eunice? Um, let every soul awake. Let every let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. So this morning, I'm calling your soul to wake up. You guys, your little souls, you're like, oh, I'm so small, and I'm just dejected, and I have no use. I have no use in this world. God's saying, I want to reign from your soul. Your soul is a city. Your soul is, is like a, a state of great value to me, and I want to live in your soul and rule from your very own tiny soul. The enemy wants you to hate what's in you. He wants you to despise yourself. He wants you to think you're nothing. And Jesus has come to say, no, you're everything to me. We're designed for more than this life. And that's why Satan is so busy distracting us. Everything around us, it's a cheap counterfeit. Listen, your body is going to sag. Your soul is not going to sag. Your soul is going to get better and hotter. <laughs> when was the last time you went to a store and you said, Woo, whoa, I saw a really hot soul today. <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off it. Whoa. But I think God does. That's what he's doing. It says in 2 Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro on the whole earth. He's looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking. He's out there. He's looking for souls. 
um, I love this in, in um, Mark 10, when Jesus encounters this young rich ruler, and it says that the, the guy was like, he said, I've kept God's commands my whole life, and it says, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. When Jesus looks at you, Jameson, he loves you. He does. And it's not just your good looks and your, snap, your snazzy dressing. He's looking all around for the one that he loves. And it says, um, you know, we all know this verse, but just to reiterate it, um, and when Jesus, uh, when God is looking for a, um, the next king of Israel and they're going through all Jesse's sons and they haven't found David yet and there's this really tall, good-looking brother, right? And Samuel says, he must be the guy, Lord. This is the guy you want to be king. And he says to him, um, the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Okay, so close your eyes. Right now, don't peek. You cannot see the person next to you. But who can see? Who is looking? God is looking. God is looking you up and down. God is looking at me up and down. Everything that is hidden, he sees. And he's super interested. He cannot get his eyes off you. Okay. So have I, have I given you a sense of how important your soul is to him personally? Yes. All right. Now, it's really interesting what Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of God is like yeast in dough. It starts out really small, and then it just kind of spreads for the whole loaf until it changes the actual like material of that thing, and then you get bread. It's pretty amazing. So he is about person to person, soul to soul, one at a time. It's very inefficient, or is it? It's actually incredibly efficient. He, his bar is very low. All you've got to do is say, yes, Lord, and then you can be a spreader of the good news. Um, the, the whole gospel is an account of this. It's him one by one. He gives fishermen their purpose. He turns a prostitute into a faithful lover of God, right? He takes a demonic outcast and makes him the first evangelist to the, these bunch of cities. Like it's one by one by one unqualified, unlikely person. Um, I've seen this. I've seen, I've seen it in this church. Uh, here's, here's a couple stories I wanted to, to share. I, uh, I've seen it around the world. I was a, I've told this story before, but I was at a conference um, in England a couple years ago, and uh, during the ministry time, I just saw this guy who I just felt my, maybe my soul was drawn to what was happening in his soul. I went over him and prayed for him. He fell down the ground and was like, crying and laughing for like half an hour. I didn't know what was happening. I was just like, okay, all right, Lord, more Lord. Do what you're doing, Lord. Keep you, you know, outward, outward appearance, no information. Outward appearance, I'm, I'm in the dark. He gets up. He says, I've been depressed for seven years. And while I was on the ground inside, God was changing things. I love it. Um, we have a friend who's going to be visiting here next week, a dear, dear couple. Um, you'll meet them. Um, 
it's a, a, a couple who are pastors. The wife is a pastor uh, at, the, at a vineyard uh, church in Denver. We met Kathy when we were in, uh, when Jordan was in grad school. I guess I should sip this water since we're holding it. Um, we met Kathy when Jordan was in grad school in uh, Chicago. At the time, she wasn't a believer, uh, but she was hanging out with uh, her friend, now husband, Caleb. And uh, they were studying. They just had a great time. I mean, a bunch of those kids are all undergraduates. And one time in the middle of the night, about 2 in the morning, because, you know, we all stayed up late in those days, <laughs> uh, we got a call. And one of the guys, Pierre, said, was on the other end of the line, and he said, uh, Jordan, can you come down to the library? Satan is talking through Kathy. Okay. So Jordan goes down to the library several blocks away, and it turns out that Kathy is trying to get to know Jesus. But she has, is having this experience where when she tries to pray, this voice comes up and says, She's mine. She's a little like Vietnamese girl. You know, this is not normal for her. So Jordan just kicks out the demon. He does this thing where, you know, we rebuke the demon. Demon leaves. Kathy says, Jesus, I receive you as my savior, you know. And Kathy starts, living water starts flowing in her life. That was like, probably, okay, the math is bad again, over 20 years ago. And she is now um, a pastor in a church in Denver. She was on the national leadership board for anti-human trafficking through the vineyard. She leads the justice ministries for the vineyard. She's a powerful woman. That is how the kingdom of God spreads. One phone call, one yes, Lord. Um, and the last 2,000 years are proof in the, putting in the proof. All around the world, this yeast has spread. There's no doubt about it. So here's what I'm going to ask this. How is the kingdom of God doing inside your soul? What's in your wallet? Where nobody can see, in your mind palace, in your heart. Um, I'm pretty sure that a whole bunch of you are walking with Jesus in that place, but we all go through seasons, right? So are you inside your mind palace? Are you mostly in monologue with yourself? Or are you in dialogue with Jesus? Um, are you having are your sins and your grievances uh, wearing you down? Have you forgotten how to give that burden over to the cross of Jesus? Are you letting social media set the vibe, set the tone for you? Or is the Holy Spirit, are you tuning into him on a daily basis? Are you using people or are you loving people? That's a hard one. Are you using people or are you loving people? Because John said, Apostle John says, that that love is the ultimate indicator of whether you're born of God. Whew, come on, Lord. Take some time to evaluate what's in your wallet today. Now, okay, just back up a little bit. Is it, is it bother anybody that we're kind of talking all this inner stuff? Like, does that seem kind of like stuff for, okay, thank you. Thank you, Kat. Anybody else? Does it bother you that it's like, oh, that's sensitive woman stuff, talking about inside 
nasal gazing, like what a waste of time. Can we just get going? What's really happening? Is this Kimim thing really going to work? You know, I mean, where, where's, you know, show me the money. Where are the results? Um, well, Jesus says he's actually after results too. Like this thing called, he calls fruit. Look at this. I brought some fruit today. Like, he said he's actually really interested in fruit. These are limes or lemons, something like that. So good. Um, <laughs> um, but Jesus says the fruit is totally dependent on what happens in that interconnection. Like I did, you know, I went out to our driveway today, and I didn't find this like hanging in the air. Actually, it wasn't like hanging in the air. It was actually connected to a tree. Like, how, how many of you have been out recently and seen like fruit just like hanging in the air? It doesn't work that way. It actually has to be attached to something like big and strong, and like life and juice and things are flowing through it, like moisture, stuff like that. So. Just like a branch cannot get along without the tree, I mean, it needs the tree just to survive, and then it can't grow these things unless it's attached. So to those of you who are impatient, it's, it's all around you. You actually have to be connected in order to work. Who would like this here? I'm throwing it. Kids, oh, yay. Wow, good job. <laughs> Use it, smell it, it's so good. Um, Okay but, okay, but I get it. Maybe you're also still really impatient, right? Like, I need things to change. When is it going to wholesale change? Um, when is justice coming? When is the kingdom of God coming? Well, we think, what am I losing my microphone? We think that we're ready for this visible wholesale change kingdom to come. But, Leslie, if you could help us out here. If you can see this. Whoa. We think we're ready. But, I don't know if you can see this. This is a picture of a nice little cat waiting in front of a nice dark tunnel entrance on the tracks, and he's saying, this mouse is going to be huge. We don't know the train that's about to hit us. There is a train that is about to hit us. And um, we, ex we are looking into the future based on our life experience, on our scope, on our level of expectations. Am I in trouble? Am I okay. Um, okay, this is, this is the bad news. It's the good news and the bad news. The kingdom is right now invisible. It will not always be invisible. It is going to get visible really fast, really suddenly, really painfully, really gloriously. And when that train leaves that tunnel, we are going to have a lot of surprises. So let's go on to the rest of the passage. Luke 17, starting from verse 26. This is what Jesus has to say about when the kingdom becomes visible. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came 
and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. She, was, she had a chance to leave the city. She couldn't bear it. She took, looked back, and she was turned to a pillar of salt. Whoever seeks to preserve his life, and I would believe Jesus is talking about your external life, your body, your things, your material substance, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. That's the good news. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together, two women working in an office side by side, two nurses seeing a patient in a room, two teachers in a classroom. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Ooh, this is kind of scary stuff. It is scary stuff. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he, it's another version of this. It elaborates a little more. Jesus actually goes a little further. He says, at that time, this is Matthew 24, if you want to look it up. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of earth will rejoice. No, they will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, that means from everywhere, from one end of the heavens to the other. So the majority of people in this passage are simply doing earthly life. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But regular life is not enough to save you. Regular life will not save you. Sending your kids to school, making breakfast, they're all important. Dressing, be, having a, a, a wedding, having a relationship, they're awesome, but they will not save you. I have got to tell you that. You have got to know that. We have got to wake up as a culture and not make the kingdom of God an add-on to make our lives better. The kingdom of God does not make our lives better. The kingdom of God makes us alive. You're going to be either a dead corpse that needs to be cleaned up or you will be gathered because you have life already in you. The Lord is looking for where is the life. Um, when he comes back, he's going to look way different than he has looked to us. He's not going to look like a first century peasant like who has been oppressed. He is going to be look like I don't know, we don't have a movie star who looks like that. But, you know, he is... Yesterday, the blue angels were flying over uh, Kaneohe. And I, when they went over, I was like, whoa, it's so loud. It's so awesome. Blue angels are nothing. When the Lord comes back, it's going to 
be decisive and powerful and amazing and thrilling, depending on whether you have life in you or whether you're spiritually dead. You need to know that. Um, if you're dead, you'll be cleaned up. If you're alive, you'll be gathered up. And I want everybody in this house to be gathered up. And I, my, the goal of my life is I want everybody that I love. I want my kids. I want my husband. I want my parents. I want my family to be gathered up. And I want to challenge you today to get that in your mind. That's what we're really looking at. We're going to go. We're going to leave here. We're going to go to Costco. We're going to have barbecue. But I need you to know that this is what we're looking down on because that's really the, the best occupation of our life. And, um, okay, here's an interesting thing. Um, Jesus compares what is coming with this, you know, a couple little historical events. And I thought I'd, I should throw this up here because it's, it's been a rather interesting discovery that happened uh, just, I think it was September 20, 2021, like a year ago. Just in case you're wondering, is this, I mean, actually, Jesus does not use the word judgment. He just talks about gathering and cleaning, separating. But he does mention Sodom and uh, Gomorrah and uh, the judgment that happened there and uh, the flood. And it's really interesting. Uh, a year ago, is this a picture here? There you go. This is a city um, that archaeologists have been working on for some time. It's called Tal El Hammam. And it is in the uh, southern Jordan Valley, south of the, the Dead Sea. And, you know, it was a big city, and it was like for thousands of years, and they've been doing lots of archaeology on it, very interesting place. They made a discovery last year that about a meter and a half down under the dig level, they discovered something very anomalous, very unique, and it was this. They discovered a level of of the soil where it shows that things melted above 2,000 degrees Celsius. It shows the remains of a, an event that was so powerful, it was like a thousand Hiroshima's. It showed um, that at that time, because of this event, the 100-acre city that this was, was completely flattened and decimated and surrounding cities as well. The entire 8,000 occupants would have been completely, no one would have been made it. They found bone and skeleton all over, and it was so hot that they found that the bricks melted. This is not something that, um, that they had known had actually happened before. And they were able to trace it to what they believe is a meteor, a meteor airburst about two and a half miles right above the city. The, um, the researcher who is an archaeologist from UC Santa Barbara said that it was um, the way it would have looked was exactly how the description of the description of Sodom was in Genesis 19. And it says, uh, which says that there was burning sulfur from the sky that ruined the vegetation and dense smoke rising up as if from a furnace. And another interesting thing, I don't, I, I'm not saying I, we don't know for sure this is Sodom, but it's very interesting that we can actually see scientifically that something happened to this degree. Um,
But interestingly, they also said that in the event, salt spewed up from the earth so that in the levels of soil around there, there was between 4% and 25% salt. It ruined the vegetation for 600 years. It was not resettled for another 600 years. So I don't know, salt, interesting. Um, since Lot's wife was, had an encounter with salt. Very interesting. Okay, so have I scared you? I'm scaring me. And I think it's godly. I think it's a good thing. You know, the Lord says, don't be afraid of someone who can just kill your body. Be afraid of the one, God, who has the power to destroy both your soul and your body. But receive from him the invitation to live. Okay, so one more time. What's in your wallet? Do you have life? Or are you, at the current moment, vulture food? <laughs> Anyone can have eternal life. It comes as easily as drinking, Jesus said. Take a drink. It comes as easily as opening a door. Um, a, a painting here done by an English artist named William Hunt was painted in 1850. And it's kind of hard to see. So here's, here's Jesus. He's standing outside. It's hard to see. He's standing outside this door that has all these vines growing on it, and he's knocking, and it's called, um, it's called the light of the world is this painting. And there's no handle on the outside of the door. You can see it. The door can only be opened from the inside. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The invitation is not just like fire insurance. The invitation is relationship. The invitation is a continuity of life that starts here and lasts forever. I want to be there on that day when Jesus comes. If I get to be there, the experience I would like to have and the experience I would like you to have is that when he comes and it's time to leave our mortal bodies, it will feel like a relief. Because we will, be, we will be able to do what we're already doing, but more freely. Yes. We will be loving. We will be um, worshiping. We will be uh, caring for one another, but we will no longer have our bodies to hinder us. We will be free to continue on what we've already started. That's what I want to have. But the soul that doesn't have the life in them at that point, when Jesus comes, that soul won't know what to do because it will have had no previous practice or experience with what it is to be alive. So today, let me just make a, a little invitation. If you would like to, if you have not asked Jesus to give you life inside, if you want to get in your wallet the life of God, would you raise your hand? And we'll pray for you. Okay. Um, Why well, always give a chance for that? And I also want you guys, as believers, 
So get used to making that invitation because that's what we really need to be about in this coming season. Um, second, if you're a believer who needs to restart, to make a reconnection, to you're being choked by weeds, you, are, um, you, you got tired, you got bitter, you got really busy, you thought too little of your soul, if you need to re-offer a place of residence to Jesus, let's just close your eyes. And if you wanted to do that, raise your hand and I'll pray for you. So I'm going to pray real quick for that. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for each of these people. And we say, Lord, would you come in with power right now and make a party in their soul? Oh, we just say in the name of Jesus, you guys are forgiven. And Lord, would you reignite the kingdom of God in their soul? Refresh them. Remove the, um, give them the path to, um, to taking really big drinks from you over the next few days. Thank you, Lord. Okay. And then lastly, I just want to say this. Uh, the rest of you, I would just like to invite you to stand with me. What I'd like to do is with me, because this is where I'm at as well, I want us to renew, ask God to renew in us evangelism. I want God to renew in our church the ability to bring people to life. Um, would you stand with me? And we'll close. Lord Jesus, thank you that the news of the kingdom is good. Thank you that we're living in a time of the invisible kingdom. Thank you that the time of the visible kingdom is coming, but we have a period in which to get stuff done. So we pray today, Lord, uh, we offer ourselves to you, Lord. We want to live out of the big place of our soul. We want you to live out of the big place of our soul. And we pray that you would show us day and night, black and white, that you would begin to put before our eyes the people, um, the places that are dead and need to come alive. Oh, I pray right now for a vision of people coming to life around us and that we would be engaged and effective. Lord, thank you for the whole gospel. There is no salvation (laughs) without the truth. Oh, so let the truth come to us, Lord. And Lord, uh, we give you permission again to be Lord, not because you're a hard master, but because you want us to live desperately. Lead us to life today and make us conduits of salvation. And I just charge you, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, I just charge you, like, I want to tell you, you are big. Oh, inside of you, you are huge. And I've, we, as a, as a people, as a family, we refuse 
to accept the lie of the enemy that wants to make you small, that wants to diminish you. And we call you one to another to live huge out of your soul today. To speak, to act, to love, to care, to shop, to worship, to eat from the place of your soul. We love you, Lord.